Welcome to Marvel by the Month, the podcast that takes you through the history of Marvel Comics one month at a time. In this episode, that month is November 1968. My name is Brian Stratton. And mine is Rob Meln. So, uh, Rob, this is the first episode that we have actually recorded since our Patreon went live. Um, and I don't know about you, but I am pretty blown away by the support that we have received uh, thus far on that thing. Yeah, before we had posted any bonus content, uh, <laughs> people like, signed up. <laughs> give us money. There's something in it for you down the road eventually. Yeah. Um, hopefully, now that we have started posting bonus content, um, you are enjoying it. Uh, we haven't noticed a massive wave of unsubscriptions yet, so uh, <laughs> that's a good sign. But please uh, let us know what you think of it so far. Um, let us know what you would like to see more of. Um, we will do our best to accommodate that. Yeah, it was a and it, it's a good episode to start with just because there's so much we we had so much extra contact or content contact uh, <laughs> talking with Mike Allred. It was uh, just way more time than we thought we were going to have and uh, just a much more, uh, I don't know, enriching conversation for at least for us. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And. Yeah, I, I think this show has really benefited from um, everyone being locked in their houses for 14 months. Uh, when we get people on the mic, they want to talk, uh, and we are very happy to hear them. So <laughs> with that business out of the way, uh, we're also very excited to introduce uh, this week's guest. Um, she is the host of the Casually Comics Sunday Chat uh, and a fellow patron of Portland's greatest comic shop, Books with Pictures. Uh, she is also probably one of the only people who reads more comics each week than we do, and none of them are inked by Vince Coletta, uh, which is to her credit. Uh, we are so happy to welcome Jennifer from Comics Will Break Your Heart to Marvel by the Month. How you doing, Jennifer? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, yeah, went to the shop today. Somehow today was the day that we like missed each other. We weren't there at the same time, but did pick up some fat stacks. That is crazy. That is like a three inch stack of single issues. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, to um, call myself out, like some of them are variant covers. Some of them are duplicates, but yeah. <laughs> i've seen some of the stacks you go through so yeah. you know this might be a light reading week i guess it, uh, it yeah. might be <laughs> i was looking at next week's and i'm like okay next week i'll probably spend an, under a hundred dollars <laughs> yeah i uh the only thing i had in my poll uh this week was uh the last trade paperback of gideon falls which is also just apparently like just one single issue and a bunch of uh, back matter um so mm -hmm. that's a 
good deal if you can swing it, Jeff Lemire. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like I felt weird about just checking out and getting one book. I'm like, I'm so glad Jennifer is not here. Uh, I'd have to like pretend that I came in and bought the rest of my stuff earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I was in, I bought two omnibus preacher uh, editions, uh, one for a friend, a gift, and one for me. But between that and the other stack of of things, I had the largest stack. Like just, I I looked like an idiot walking out of there with both hands under the bag. Um, yeah, I was so proud. <laughs> Uh, well, Jennifer, uh, we're so excited to have you here. This is an epic crossover. Um, and uh, for those of our listeners who are not already familiar with Comics Will Break Your Heart, could you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So I had been doing like reviews for several years, mostly just me kind of like drunk shit posting on Instagram, it feels like. <laughs> and I was doing it under, you know, gin and comics and um <laughs> i'm one of those people who created their little comic book youtube during quarantine so i've got my comic book um youtube baby quarantine baby that i started almost a year ago and i knew that i needed something different other than that i wanted to be a lot more respectful for people who maybe would be turned off by like the drunk aspect of it and so I think that there was a particular week and there've been a lot of weeks where man comics were just breaking my heart. And Jack Kirby was 100% right about that. And I'm like, huh, I don't know of any other channels that like have used that moniker and come to find out there wasn't. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's perfect. Cause that's totally my brand. And every, even despite having a channel called comics will break your heart, they continually surprisingly break my heart every week, sometimes uh, in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. Yeah. 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 yeah I was just going to say that this is such a great bit of synchronicity because, you know, uh, this season of Marvel by the month is all about Jack Kirby's last two years at Marvel, um, before mm -hmm. he heads to DC. Um, yeah. and you know, he, that, yeah, obviously that is, like you said, that's, that's a Kirby quote. Um, which you know was just the result of him you know for years of feeling taken for granted uh, taken advantage of by the industry um so yeah uh so it, tell tell us a little bit more about like you said that sometimes they break your heart in a good way and sometimes in a bad way um give us a couple examples so i would say that um knowing that comics Comics are such a fun and interesting medium. And I think growing up and not necessarily having read comics when I was like growing, growing up, I didn't get into them until um, mid high school. And I would definitely think that to Neil Gaiman and like first book that I really got into was Sandman, got into um, Batman, you know, titles like that, the quote unquote classics, I guess for me. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> um, but then becoming a person who really found myself in that medium and found myself being like an um I'm just a weird kid and comics kind of called to me and now I really do love that comics are a lot more accessible for people so I really do love that there's this beautiful comic book community but I think that there has this been this underlying like seedy underbelly of comics where um, we hear a lot of stories, especially in this last year, where comic book creators are 
sexually assaulting people and grooming people and some creators that, you know, you may have a lot of respect for. So there's, there's moments where there's these beautiful moments where I find so much community. And then these other moments where I'm like, fuck, I'm having such a hard time reading one of my favorite creators right now. And I need to maybe put these books away. Um, and then maybe sometimes comics break my heart because there's a week where 90% of the reads were just shitty reads that I was really excited for. And they just end up being really <laughs> shitty reads. Um, yep. And I'm like, damn, I just spent all this money and nothing was good. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> in so many ways, um, comics are tearing, they're tearing me apart. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I hear you about the first bit of what you were just talking about. Um, this has definitely been a year where, you know, there are, you know, like linear feet of books on my bookshelf where it's like, oh, can't really look directly at that right now. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, I've also gotten turned on to a bunch of really good stuff uh, by people who don't seem to be super problematic individuals. Um, yet. <laughs> yet. Yeah. Yes. Ah. Uh, here, here's here's my secret uh, that I found. Um read more comics by ladies. <laughs> That's what I'm leaning into. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hasn't been a lot of disappointment there. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Yeah. Thank Thank you, Chelsea Kane. Right now. Yes. That has been one of my, uh, <laughs> my favorite uh, authors. So our writers and, uh, and yeah, I'm so sad. I mean, just to say it out loud, like my Warren Ellis collection is vast and, and, mm -hmm. um, and I'm sad about that. So. Speaking of my, my first video that I posted on YouTube um, almost a year ago um, was me reading a um, introduction letter to um, Planetary. Is it Planetary? Yeah. So reading an introduction to Planetary, which the introduction is by Alan Moore, and he's basically talking about there's this, we're in this really interesting time of comic books and um, kind of like Janice, we are looking behind and we're looking forward. And um, it was just at the time because thinking about comic book sh stores shutting down and with quarantine and with Diamond Head um, you know, temporarily shut down distribution for a second. And I think every, everyone who's in the comic book industry was kind of holding their breath and very much not looking forward to the future of comic books. And thinking back to my first video on YouTube is me reading an introduction to a book by Warren Ellis still like, I don't want to take it down, but it's still, I've got to like, leave it there. It's, it's a very weird feeling. Yeah. I guess it's a historical artifact um, mm -hmm. and you know, it's f for what that's worth. Um, you know, that's, that's where we were at the time. I, I, not that I wasn't aware that he was um, kind of a, uh, a problematic individual, but I, I did get a Jim Steranko tattoo uh, on my leg like 15 <laughs> years ago. Um, I'm like, well, boy, he's a character, but I really like this dragon. Uh, <laughs> so, and yeah, then yeah. Uh, he, he has spent the last 15 years um, making me work a little harder to defend that. So, and there uh, are, I mean, there are different things you have to defend, I guess, you know, like I, I love a lot of musicians um, who have disappointed me uh, and uh, just as people. Um, and then I, and some who I had disappointed me in ways that I could not bear to listen to their music anymore, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, some who, I can, uh, you know, still 
still listen to it, but it's like, I disagree. Like Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. I love Megadeth, but uh, I hate Dave Mustaine. Uh, I mean, I hate <laughs> what he says uh, every time he's talking about something. So it's like, that's that I can reconcile. That's more of like a political difference issue than a, a somewhat, I guess. It's easier to reconcile than somebody being a predator. <laughs> Just um, to put yes, it yeah. like bluntly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, sure. it, it, it is, uh, it, it's tough to like, to see how hard some people work to make me not want to consume their media any longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, we're very much looking forward to talking with you uh, about the comics uh, that came out in November 1968. Yeah. Uh, but first, as we always do, um, we're going to talk a little bit about what was going on in the world uh, in November 1968. Um, talking about problematic individuals, uh, <laughs> I will go ahead and kick this off. Um with uh, something that happened on November 2nd, 1968, um, an FBI document of a conversation between two Nixon campaign workers, future Attorney General John Mitchell and Asian-American lobbyist Anna Chennault, confirmed that she had contacted South Vietnam's ambassador to the U.S. to confirm that South Vietnam would avoid participating in the Paris peace talks. Uh, at the same time, South Vietnam's President Nguyen Van Thieu derailed what appeared to be the beginning of the end of U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War by announcing that South Vietnam would refuse to participate in the Paris peace talks agreed to by the United States, North Vietnam, and the Viet Cong. So um, they were kind of freelance in foreign policy there, which is actually a felony. Right. Uh, on behalf of a nominee, like, yes. uh, so on behalf of a candidate which, for yeah, president. On yeah. The 5th of November, uh, former U.S. Vice President and Republican Party nominee Richard M. Nixon was elected President of the United States, um, defeating incumbent Vice President and Democrat Hubert H. Humphrey and American Independent Party candidate George C. Wallace. So although the popular vote was close, with Nixon winning by just under half a million votes out of over 62 million cast, the electoral vote... 301 to 191 was not close. Uh, on the same day, Shirley Chisholm of Brooklyn, New York, became the first African-American woman to be elected to the United States Congress. So um, vaguely silver lining. I mean, we have yeah. all been through a, a lot recently. Um, yes. That, that really reflects a lot of what we've been um reading in history yeah and now nixon cool yes we're gonna get to yeah. talk about that every week well <laughs> it is i mean it it is wild how you know as we go through the history of the 60s like how much of it seems to be coming back around again and um also a little disappointing to see it's like wow we just don't learn <laughs> we just yeah. don't learn any lessons seems like <laughs> the older you get the more you get the history repeats um quotes yeah yeah uh, but here's something that we'll never repeat uh, because this is a, a, a one. A, this is a one-time only, unique individual, uh, once once in a lifetime. Uh, on the sixth of November, Sam Rockwell, who played Justin Hammer in Iron Man Two, was born in <laughs> Daly City, California. And Zaphod Beeblebrox, yeah, president <laughs> of the universe. Um, on the uh, on the eighth. Got some Beatles of the Beatles by the month. Uh, the eighth of eighth of November, the divorce between the Beatles, John Lennon, and his first wife, Cynthia Lennon, became official a little more than five months after Cynthia had returned to the couple's home at Weybridge, Surrey, and found that Yoko Ono 
had already moved in. Uh, Lennon and Ono would marry a little more than four months later on March 29th. Uh, on the same day, Parker Posey, who's probably best known for playing Danica Talos and Blade Trinity, am I right? Um, <laughs> was born in Baltimore, Maryland. In this month, there's a lot of two completely unrelated, but kind of wild things <laughs> happening yeah. on the same day. Yeah, so so there you go. Um, well, here's, here's another little bit of good news. On the 12th of November, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court issued its nine to nothing ruling in Epperson versus Arkansas invalidating a 1928 Arkansas statute that prohibited the teaching of human evolution. So <laughs> congratulations. As of November 1968, you can teach evolution in Arkansas. Uh, anything v. Arkansas. I'm rooting for <laughs> the first. Yeah. And it's still being challenged to this day. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's still people who are trying to, like, just go back in time to that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's being challenged in the courts and also just, you know, in day-to-day -day life, <laughs> trying to disprove evolution by acting pretty unevolved. Uh, also, uh, on the 14th of November, Yale University announced that it would admit women students for the first time in its 267-year history, beginning with the 1969-1970 academic year. Uh, in the faculty meeting to ratify it, the vote was 200 in favor, one against. And I really want to know who that one was who voted against it. Uh, Yale's sister institution, the formerly all-women Vassar College, began admitting male students the same year. Oh. So that's that's a little, uh, little news tidbit for John Hodgman. <laughs> on, the, on November 15th, Operation Commando Hunt was initiated by the United States in the Vietnam War in an effort to disrupt the Ho Chi Minh Trail that continued to bring North Vietnamese soldiers and supplies into South Vietnam. Despite the dropping of 3 million tons of bombs on the trail over a period of 40 months, the operation did little to slow the advance from North Vietnam, which shifted its supply lines westward into neighboring Laos and expanded the operation. So uh, I, I, it boggles my mind because we're talking about we're not talking about like bombs. It's 3 million tons of bombs that they're not measured in, you know, units, which is a bomb. Um, it's just tons of bombs because yeah. that's how many they're dumping to no avail. Of yeah. course. We're, we're super good at Vietnam. Um, <laughs> on the, on the 18th of November, uh, after 21 years of manufacturing its iconic product in Denmark, Interlego AG filed for the United States mm -hmm. patent for Lego blocks, which they categorized as, quote, building blocks, strips, or similar building parts to be assembled without the use of additional elements provided with complementary holes, grooves, or protuberances, e.g. dovetails with primary projections, fitting by friction and complementary spaces between secondary projections, e.g. sidewalls. Wow. It just rolls right off the top. They should do that advertising with that yeah. statement. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and Sold. also. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here's here's another one of those on the same day stories uh, on the same day. Owen Wilson, who will be playing M. Mobius in the upcoming Loki series on Disney Plus, was born in Dallas, Texas. Wow. <laughs> nice, nice impersonation. You don't do a lot of those. Um, OK, another Beatles by the month on the 22nd of November, uh, the Beatles released the double LP that would become unofficially known as the White Album although its official title was simply The Beatles. Uh, 
On that same day, the first kiss between a white actor and a black actor on national television took place on an episode of Star Trek, uh, with William Shatner kissing Nichelle Nichols in Plato's Stepchildren. So those are two good things to happen on that day in such a crappy time. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, And uh, here's a a good news-ish thing. Uh, If it didn't confirm that some, you know, crappy stuff had happened at the beginning of the month but uh, on the 22nd of november uh under american pressure south vietnam's president nguyen van thu reversed his november 2nd decision not to participate in peace talks with north vietnam uh, that included representatives of the Viet Cong. thu's early announcement days before the u.s presidential election had caused the talks to be called off so mysteriously three weeks later he's like actually i think i will participate in those talks so <laughs> Thanks, Richard Nixon. Yeah. Uh, So that's what's going on in November 1968. Wow, what a wild month. Um, We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to start talking about the comics that came out this month right here on Marvel by the Month. Hey, friends, don't you hate it when you're just settling into a new episode of a podcast and then they interrupt it with a commercial? (laughs) Well, so do we. That's why we launched a Patreon at patreon.com slash Marvel by the month. What's a Patreon? It's a place you can go where you can give us money each month for a thing that we used to give away to you for free. (laughs) And in exchange for doing that, we'll give you access to a secret feed of episodes that don't have commercials in them. So it's basically a protection racket. (laughs) But that's not all. We're making more Marvel by the Month than ever before, and only Patreon subscribers will get to hear most of it. Uh, Support us for just $4 per month, and you will get access to our subscriber-only Patreon podcast feed that includes extended versions of our episodes, including this very episode that you're listening to right now. And we're not talking about just 10 minutes of additional content. The extended edition of our first episode of this season was literally an hour longer than the free version. Uh, It featured an amazing conversation with Mike Allred about spirituality, existential dread, how he met the love of his life, and Spider-Man. Spider-Man! Patreon subscribers also get access to our Omnibus Companion episodes, where we talk about all of the other issues that Marvel released each month. And once again, you don't have to hear these promos on the subscriber feed. That's right. Each and every week, Patreon subscribers get more than an hour of content you can't hear anywhere else. Plus, you're going to be first to know about upcoming announcements and events. So please sign up at patreon.com slash month to instantly get access to all of our past, present and future subscriber exclusive content. Welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Let's talk about Thor 160. And now, Galactus. Uh, this is by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby with Vince Galetta inking. Um, <laughs> so it's the beginning of what a, a lot of fans consider to be Kirby's last great story from his original stint at Marvel. Um, the, the wheels sort of come off of it by the end, mostly due to editorial interference. But you can tell that Kirby wants to crush at least one more fastball before he calls it a day at marvel so he's like i love i love putting sports references in the notes for you to read because it thank comes you sounding so 
organic and authentic. Yeah, he wants to <laughs> na- nail the ball out of the park. Um, he wants so, to. Yeah, I love he wants sports. To shoot a hole in one right through <laughs> the net. <laughs> it's every one of them always sounds like that. Uh, so, um, uh, Kirby wastes no time getting into this one. The Rigelian uh, Tana Nile tells Thor about a grave threat to the galaxy. And by the end of page three, they have already left earth and are on their way to the Rigelian system. Um, so it, it moves very quickly. We cut to Asgard where the recorder is it's popped in and it's chatting with Odin and Sif. Uh, <laughs> I love this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and Odin's digging on him. He's like, so you're an artificial being, but you seem to be able to think you're like a tape deck with legs. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> So uh, wh- while he's talking to Odin, he gets a call from Rigel warning of impending danger. And so he's just basically like the tornado cam. You know, he's going to go straight <laughs> toward it. Um, so he's and that danger is the f- Galactus, the Galactus. I don't know why I said that. Um, Thor and Tana Nile's ship is attacked by a Taurian, which smashes smashes its way through the hull. They subdue it and it calms down and it tells them it only attacked because its world was just shattered by Galactus and it was out of its mind with grief and trauma. Uh, I thought that was an interesting twist. But mm-hmm. uh, And then uh, Thor looks out the window and sees the debris of the planet that Galactus destroyed and now he's fighting mad. Uh, at least we see the uh, and finally we see the big G himself looking like the world's coolest black light poster, which is pretty much, you know, this is the thing that a lot of people see when they look up Kirby, this one big panel. Mm-hmm. Um, he's attacked by bolts of force from a dark section of the galaxy and it's ego, the living planet. So it's just bonkers time. We've got Galactus and ego teeing up. Uh, meanwhile, Thor and Tana have made it to Rigel which has been hidden from Galactus, but its shield is weakening. So Galactus might be able to see it. Um, The Rigelians warn Thor that if Rigel falls, Asgard is next. So they put him in a ship with the recorder and pre-program its destination, the Black Galaxy. Um, As they fly toward Galactus, one of the refugee ships decides to follow because they think it must be heading towards some sort of sanctuary. (laughs) Um, That's not a great decision because Galactus and Ego are already in a cosmic blast battle. So uh, the shockwaves shatter Thor and the recorder's ship to be continued. It is it is bonkers. It's so crazy. Yeah. Um, Jennifer, have you read a lot of like cosmic Kirby type stuff? Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's um, definitely a lot more of my wheelhouse when it comes to this. And um, 100% out of all of the issues that I read um, for of, like, you know, of these issues, hands down, this is my one of my absolute favorites. Like I, um, some of the other ones, and you know, we'll talk about those later, were a little bit of a chore to get through. Yep. This one, 100% <laughs> was just all fun. All yeah. fun. Yeah. It's worth it just for that splash page of Galactus on uh, page 13. It's just mm-hmm. that it's like, uh, I love Galactus too, because he rarely is angry. He just, he's just pointing out to everybody guys got to eat, you know? Uh, and he's a little sad about it sometimes, but uh, so, and this looks like this sort of like pensive, thoughtful and super black light 
poster <laughs> uh, vision of it. Like the inking is so great on this too. So man, what I, Vince. I feel like I love about these Galactus moments too is, and I love this with villains in general, why it's like, well, I, I feel, I can't recall the specific moment in here, but he's basically saying like, I have to do this guys. Like, sorry, but I'm kind of hungry. I got to do this. So I just, I feel like there's that moment where he's like, you can't really blame me. It's just everyone needs nourishment, even me. Yeah. yeah. Am I to be faulted for the appetite I bear? The big and the small eat what we must. <laughs> the circle of life is just a bigger circle yeah, when Galactus you know. is involved. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love the fact that I think there's, if I'm counting right, there's five of the 20 pages in the story are full page splashes. Yeah. Um, like Kirby's just like, he's just going widescreen. Um, like the, the, the uh, page six where like the recorder is zooming um, toward us. Uh, like that is, I mean, we're like what, two or three years from the new gods at this point, but that mm-hmm. feels like straight out of what he's going to be doing at DC. Um, yeah. In the very near future. Um, and is it, um, I can't recall what issue of Thor that it is that basically leads in supposedly like leads into new gods. Like all of that is like to be continued in new gods unofficially. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is definitely like, this is the precursor to that. Um, and recently have gone and like read um, new gods again and exploring that saga, those sagas again. Um, for sure you see all of that here in Thor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is the story that you're talking about. This is the very beginning of that. Um, because what this all leads up to is, uh, well, the way that Kirby wanted to tell the story was that it was going to lead to the destruction of Asgard. Like basically Galactus was going to eat Asgard and destroy it. Um, <laughs> <So> and <awesome. laughs> that was going to lead to the rise of this new race of gods, you know, the new gods. Um, but uh, that's an idea that he sat on and brought to DC instead. So yeah, pretty much yeah. ever since the first issue of Silver Surfer came out, maybe a little bit before that, without him drawing it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he's not he's not making anybody. He gave you Stalior. There you go, Stan. Have a <laughs> have, have a ball with Stalior the Centaur. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, I I really love this this story. It's like it's also one of the first time we get to see like the the actual destruction that galactus wreaks like we we've got we've heard about the threat of it you know like we know that oh if the fantastic four doesn't get him off the planet he's going to eat earth and that's not going to be good but like we actually haven't seen you know like this race of uh of people like fleeing the destruction of their planet in you know this little flotilla of ships um and you know just the you know all the aftermath of everything he does um yeah, I I really did love, and I totally forgot about the the the, the wandering group that is mm-hmm. from. They were named the Wanderers because they were first of Galactus's victims. Yeah. So this idea of this ragtag fugitive fleet um, cruising around, uh, following Galactus basically uh, since the one of his first. I mean, apparently they're nearly immortal as well since Galactus has been on this jam since he uh, came into our universe. It gets complicated later, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in 4 billion episodes. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and also like ego versus Galactus just makes sense. 
you know, yeah. Hey, I, you got a living planet. You got a guy who eats planets. I think I see a story here. <laughs> I love, I love that. Like the, both the simplicity of Kirby's uh, storytelling ideas and then how rich they can be. It's, that's just the weird thing about what he creates. It's like, yeah. it's, I mean, you can see it when he names something too. It's just like, it's a little too on the nose a lot of the time and then just recorder so it stands like okay we're just gonna keep that one um yeah <laughs> yeah um no it's it's great um well uh so speaking of, of galactus uh it's just a hop skip and a jump to uh, talking about his former heralds uh the silver surfer yeah um so let's let's jump over to uh silver surfer number four um which we will I'll walk us through here. Um, also, uh, this one on the cover, you've got uh, Thor and Silver Surfer about to mix it up. So uh, it's a nice little Thor crossover. Uh, so this issue, uh, the story is called The Good, the Bad, and the Uncanny. Um, it's written by Stan Lee. The art is by John Buscema, uh, inked by his brother, Sal. Our pal, Sal. Um, <laughs> so um, this one, uh, another kind of, uh, involved story so so jump in anywhere um but uh it starts off with um loki in a like this this opening splash page is just fantastic he's just brooding in his throne room um uh and he's you know uh, plotting against his brother thor he's looking for a cat's paw who's gonna do his bidding um and so he's kind of going through his uh mental rolodex of who he could uh get to turn on thor um first he thinks about the hulk uh but he's he's got the strength but he doesn't have any skill um to use it um then he thinks about the thing um but the thing is a mortal and no mortal can oppose thor um then his mind turns to hercules who you know he could totally do it but you know loki's not going to risk angering olympus so so uh, hercules is out um then uh he's sort of looking across the cosmos and he sees uh, the surfer uh, smashing himself against Galactus's barrier around Earth, like a bird running into a pane of glass, um, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, might be onto something here." Um, so uh, he he reads the Surfer's memories and gets a little uh, gives us a little recap of of what the Surfer's been up to the last few issues. Uh, he's like, "Okay, I'm, I think this is the guy. I'm going to test his power." But first, he heads to Asgard and warns the Warriors Three uh, that he's found a way to vanquish Thor at last. Um, so he's he's putting him on notice. I also um, think uh, just to, this intro is, I mean, this month John Buscema pretty much draws every single character in the Marvel universe between yeah. a couple of books, mm-hmm. uh, and this is one of them. Like he's, I mean, the Living Totem is even getting punched by the Thing in <laughs> in that one panel. Uh, yep. It is <laughs> crazy. I just thought that it's worth mentioning that, uh, you know, we're he's he's proving that he can pretty much do any do and draw anything in the Marvel universe. Um, and this is part of it. And then more of it is to come in Avengers, but yeah. Yeah. yeah and not just in the Marvel universe, uh, but he can basically draw just about anything on, on page 10. Uh, we see the surfer and he's hanging out with just this Noah's Ark of wild animals. <laughs> yes. Um, it's an amazing panel. that takes about two thirds of the page. Um, he's just decided, you know, if humanity's not going to accept him, he's just going to hang out with the beasts. Like petting a lion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, this is cool. Um, I feel so bad. He, he like thought that he got just one moment of peace and then all of a sudden he gets interrupted. Like, 
I feel like there should have been a line with like, this is my last day before retirement and he just, <laughs> he gets recruited. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Um, well, I, I, uh, there was something about this panel that, that stuck out in my brain. Um, and so I, I accessed my memories of, uh, when I went to a Baptist elementary school, um, when I was a yep. kiddo. Um, and this, I think, is like straight out of uh, the Gospel of Mark, um, where there's uh, there's a couple verses. Um, the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. Him talking about Jesus uh, yeah. immediately drove him into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals. Um, and this totally fits because the last, last issue month, he was tempted by Satan. Exactly, yeah. he was being tempted by Mephisto. Yeah. yeah, which was exactly the analog uh to jesus being tempted by satan so like i think stan uh, you know stan he's jewish but he's like really reaching back into christian lore and like he's retelling these parables um there was a quote in uh in a uh a book i was reading about uh, early uh marvel and there's a quote by Stan in there saying something like, um, you can't make the silver surfer too much like Jesus. Like he was really like overtly in a letter to a fan. He was really leaning into it. He's like, no, that's the whole idea for the character. It's like, you just lean in, um, lean in on that. Uh, and that's, that's clearly what he's trying to do. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, I just love, I, I love this whole idea of this, you know, incredibly powerful, almost godlike creature, but with this naivete, who is just like at the mercy of these demonic forces and, and like has to find a way to overcome them. Um, it's really, you know, I don't think, um, you know, anyone over at DC was trying to tell these sorts of stories with Aquaman. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it feels very, again, ahead of its time. I'd like to, to overtly draw in, you know, the, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you know, un- unlike, uh, Jesus and Satan, though, um, Loki attacks the surfer um, and chases him all over the planet. Um, he's just blasting him uh, with, uh, you know, his his godly powers. And uh, the surfer can't match Loki's power, but he's also tough enough to survive Loki's assault. Um, so Loki's like, OK, well, at least he can take a beating. <laughs> so he'll do the trick. Um, and then he says, whoa, 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 I, uh, I just came to Midgard to find you because I need someone who can defend Asgard against my brother Thor, um, <laughs> who's going to try to conquer it, uh, and enslave its people. Um, and the surfer's intrigued, but he's like, well, Galactus has got me trapped on earth. Loki's like, that's no problem for a God, uh, transports him to Asgard, uh, after he shows him a vision of Thor assembling this army. And of course, Thor is assembling the army because he's heard that Loki's going to try to attack him so you know um so that's what's going on there yeah i love that uh that shot i mean it it just it's perfect loki he's set things up so he can show you an in the moment thing that seems appropriate to win you to his cause yeah which is really uh the complete opposite of what it looks like but he he just knows how to set the stage and of course you know, I feel like Norrin doesn't need any any convincing or, you know, just sees it as it is. And he's like, OK, well, I guess I guess I've got to go do this. Let's let's go. Yep. Yeah. I love how innocent he is. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. like, you can get me off the planet. Oh, let's do it. And also, <laughs> I need to I need to save Asgard. Let's this is a win win. Yep. <laughs> um, so uh, Surfer goes to Asgard. Um, Loki does not follow him he's sort of like floating around ethereally um keeping an eye on him um 
uh, and uh, Thor is, is presiding over like this grand feast in, in a tournament um, in a great hall. Uh, this is the army that he's assembled. And uh, so, you know, the surfer shows up and he challenges Thor and Thor's like, whoa, 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 have a seat at my table. There's plenty of time for fighting later. Um, so right off the bat, like surfer realizes like, OK, maybe there's more going on here uh, than I realize. Yeah, I- I do love when uh, the first challenge happens from from Silver Surfer that that Thor does say odds blood. Yes. The madness is upon thee since he was saying forsooth in uh, some previous issues. And and, uh, Katie was, you know, pointing out the uh, or she and Douglas had both pointed out like Asgardian God is not going to do some, you know, medieval uh, exclamations. It's it, you know, of of Christian exclamations. So at least we've got odds blood in this case. So I, I'd like just noted that specifically because of the the last episode. I like how um, there, there's this conversation with uh, or that silver surfer is having, he's trying to decide whether or not in his mind, Thor is worthy. I guess he's like, um, there's a lot of people like all of a sudden jumping to his defense, to Thor's defense. Like he might actually be a good guy. Like, uh, Norrin's like, am I the baddie in this situation? <laughs> because if people love him so much, um, if they if they truly love him and have this much respect for him, why am I fighting him yeah. again? Yep, exactly. Um, so it, it actually takes them quite a while to get into a fight. Like we are more than halfway through the story now, and the only thing that's happened is that, uh, you know, Thor is is offering the surfer dinner at his table. Um, so, uh, then a, uh, the tournament begins, um, and, uh, Loki clouds the mind of one of the champions, um, who throws his sword at the surfer, uh, and he says, death to the silver surfer in the name of Thor. And Thor is like, whoa, what, wait, what is this all about? Um, uh, and the gladiator's like, I, I don't know what's going on, uh, Twas as though another didst usurp my will, um, but you know that's it, it. It's too late. You know the the die is cast, um, and all hell breaks loose, and, and that's hell with one L. Mm-hmm. So uh, Loki not only clouds the surfer's mind to keep him um, focused on on fighting Thor, but he also adds his own power to the surfer so that he's a match for Thor. Um, and Thor defends himself against the surfer, but he's really trying not to hurt him because he knows something's up. That something's not adding up here. Uh, and then I love it. We, uh, we wind up cutting to Odin. Um, who's <laughs> watching all of this. Um, and he knows exactly what's going on. Cause he's the all father, you know, he can, he knows all he sees all, um, but he's just like, it's fine. They're both good guys. No harm's going to come of this. <laughs> like, and then he's like, I'm going to go take a nap. Yeah. yeah. Make, yeah. make ready like, my, my royal bed chamber. Bed chamber. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you know, um, I was, um, while I was reading this issue, um, I was, thinking about i don't know why it made me think of it but if they ever for some reason recast odin in the marvel cinematic universe the only person i'd want to see doing it would be matt barry um from it crowd and um what we do in the shadows the english version like i want to see matt barry play this version of odin (laughs) so bad That would be phenomenal. I or let like, the metal rage. I can. I mean, I'm not doing justice to Matt Barry whatsoever, but I would love to see that. That is a killer casting. I or if they do like another scene where it's you know 
a play about the Asgardian <laughs> gods uh, and just having. Oh, my God, that would be so funny. OK, well, uh, we're going to we're going to tweet it like Taika he should Wichiti. have been in yeah. in the uh, is, in Ragnarok. Is that, yeah. Is that Ragnarok where they're doing yeah. the play at the beginning? Mm-hmm. With Matt Damon. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. And I could definitely see that type of weirdness and almost self-awareness of the weirdness in um, Taika Waititi's uh, mm-hmm. Thor. So um, I, I'm sure that um, he listens to this podcast. Oh, yeah. So yeah. He's you're welcome fan. for the suggestion. Yeah. yeah. Huge fan. <laughs> Friend of the show, right? The, Patreon subscriber number three. Yeah. Uh, Taika Waititi. Uh, <laughs> Well, um, yeah, so, so uh, you know, with Odin uh, heading off to bed, um, uh, the surfer and Thor are still mixing it up. Uh, the surfer uses his power to to keep Thor away from Mjolnir. And that's where um, they realize what's going on, because uh, the surfer's power cosmic wouldn't be enough to entrap Thor's hammer. Um, so surfer puts two and two together. He realizes that Loki uh, powered him up. Um, and that's when Thor's friends rush in to protect him. Um, and the surfer figures out he's been used. Um, and, uh, Loki zaps the surfer back to earth, uh, and the fight is over. Um, but yeah, it, it ends with, you know, no one, no one losing face. Um, no one being seriously injured. Uh, sleepy Odin was totally right. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and they, they both leave with, uh, with, well, Thor especially has you know, a ton of respect for the surfer. Uh, his valor hath illumined the realm with a light that shall glow for ages. Um, so, you know, Thor respects someone who can uh, go toe to toe with him. Yeah, I love this is another I mean, this happens so often in the Marvel Universe that I think I, I went crazy about it in the first couple of um, episodes when we hit this. But this crossover, which is which we see in like Thor Ragnarok or, or movies now, but the idea of. Um, separating the Asgardians uh, with this science fiction element and this cosmic element, like overlapping Silver Surfer and and Thor, and like overlapping Thor and Galactus, and mm-hmm. all of these these pieces where there's like they're they're talking about Asgard, and this has happened almost since the beginning. And I don't know if Stan meant it when it started, but the idea that Asgard is this other planet, sort mm-hmm. of, um, that was just. I didn't get it when I was a kid reading these comics, but I so love the uh, this this mix of fantasy, magic, sci-fi, whatever. It's all here, kids. You know, yeah. it's just all at once. And trying to, I didn't know how to explain that when I was a kid. That just one thing, like just Dungeons and Dragons, is kind of boring to me because, man, you put Dungeons and Dragons in space or something, I'm going to listen. But, uh, um. Yeah, this was this was a, a just like this weird argument I was always trying to have, and this like typifies this. Um, you know, the Marvel universe has everything in it, and all those things happen at once, mm-hmm. and and it's just wondrous. Yeah, <laughs> I think that um, I was just talking to someone today about this. How I don't think that these stories, like especially um, like X Men, and especially going into Silver Surfer, and like even this issue of Thor doesn't get enough credit for being science fiction Mm -hmm. um like i i think that you know when we think about superheroes and like all of um that if you'd call it a genre i don't think it gets enough credit for um having been influenced by and also influencing so much of science fiction um i'm also a little bit hurt that you just called 
D&D boring. Um, <laughs> but if if you're looking for D&D in space, um, I would highly recommend Starfinder. It's like Pathfinder and then like this like blip happens and then it goes into space. So maybe try Starfinder. I, w- I would do it. I have I still have yet to play uh, to actually participate in any role playing game of that sort. That was the one like like I avoided somehow drama like acting i i helped in you know stagecraft and painted things and did lights but i um and i avoided actually playing dungeons and dragons i waited for like an hour for the comic book shop proprietor in in gresham where uh, i grew up some of the time moving between portland and gresham but they would be playing a game so i would just have to wait until he was at a break so he would come let me yeah. that's uh, why like, you hate get... it this is your villain origin story that's, that's why you actually really hate oh, D is because of you. that it's not D. it's because the circumstances surrounding D. true because i did read you know all of tolkien and you know when i was a kid and loved it but it was a that must that is it that <laughs> must be it it was this was keeping me from my comic books uh, you know, did, it, did you just literally. have a co- like a comic book therapy breakthrough? <laughs> yes, I did. It's like, ah, oh, my life is going to change from here on. Thank yeah. you. This Jennifer. is, I feel like we have, uh, on almost every episode, someone, whether it's us or the guests, uh, winds up having some sort of like therapeutic breakthrough. <laughs> um, it's yeah, I, I, we're performing a valuable service here. I agree. Yeah. Um, oh, because and, it and, benefits me this time. So, yes, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, it was speaking of D and D. Also, I, I just want to call out um, that that banquet scene on on page twenty three, that first panel there. <laughs> yeah, um, that's my panel of the month. Uh, it, it's the, it is so amazing. Like the 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 levels, uh, you know, the, the the fields of depth in this. Like you've got you know characters in the foreground, you've got midground, you've got you know Thor in the banquet table in the background, and then you've got you know, a uh, warrior standing behind him in the balcony. It is such an intricately detailed scene. Um, and so Busema winds up, um, well, so not long after Kirby leaves, he winds up becoming the regular Thor artist. Mm-hmm. Um, he winds up drawing Conan, uh, in the seventies. Um, and you can absolutely see like, here's the origin of all of it. Like he is so perfect for doing this kind of thing. Um, also for a zinger. Yeah. This is Thor. And Asgard without Vince Coletta inking. So yeah. if Vince was here, there wouldn't be so many people in the foreground or <laughs> no, the background. It'd be like like three people in this scene. But um, the, it would be done yeah. on time. But yeah, there, there'd yep. be a couple people in the foreground. There you go. I'm just yep. going to make the floor go the rest of this. Uh, yep. Yeah, that's I think that's part of it. I think it, that having uh, Sal doing the sinking is like a totally different um different choices on what yeah. <laughs> randomly gets cut from the pencils. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Only other thing I want to mention about this issue is that uh, John Buscema thought this was the high point of his Marvel work, according to Roy Thomas. So, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's so, great, but yeah. he, he just does great stuff every time. So it's, yes, he does. Um, yeah. I, um, I, I kind of didn't want to mention that because I'm like, really, is it all downhill from here? But like <laughs> I've read Buscema stuff after this that I liked even better. So uh with respect, I think he wasn't quite, I think he was selling himself short. And I uh, was remiss and didn't say when my panel of the month was, I talked about it, but Brian, you can just splice this together later. Oh It'll yeah. Be that's so what I'll simple. Do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that, that panel three from the, uh, the, uh, I mean, page 13 
of the Thor story. Uh, the, the the just profile pic of Galactus oh, chilling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The nice purple, blue, and orange yep. combo that just makes me want to eat a weed cookie. Yeah. <laughs> it's the late 60s, dude. <laughs> I'm grooving on the late 60s. Also, my favorite band is from the late 60s. So what do you do? There you go. Um, cool. All right. Let's go ahead, uh, take our final break of the episode. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Avengers 60. I'm just warning you right now. Yep. We'll be right back here on Marvel by the month. Welcome back to Marvel by the month. Let's talk about Avengers number 60. Till Death Do Us Part, uh, written by Roy Thomas, art by John Buscema and Mickey DeMeo, who's still, <laughs> who's Mike Esposito, still using a pen name, which is like one of the last people, the holdouts at Marvel, um, who's not really signing their work. Uh, so here's the summary. Whew. And just, yeah, interject wherever. It's a, this is crazy town. Um, so the... It's the conclusion of the most upsetting story we've read in 103 episodes of this podcast. Uh, yep. Last month, a new costume adventurer named Yellow Jacket showed up, claimed he killed Hank Pym and abducted and forced himself on Janet Van Dyne. Uh, there's no nicer way to say that. When the Avengers showed up to rescue her, she called them off because she decided to marry him. Uh, so here we go. The wedding is set to take place at Avengers Mansion, and the Avengers are all just kind of going along with it. Um, Yellow Jacket and the Wasp arrive in a hovercraft that Yellow Jacket designed and Wasp paid for. Uh, he built it in five days. Uh, this immediately plants the seed that Yellow Jacket is marrying her for her money. She's a wealthy heiress, remember? So, you know, um, but but Henry Pym... Uh, never had or hank pym never had that much interest in her money and was more mm -hmm. concerned so jarvis lets the caterers in through the service entrance and immediately gets dressed up because they're not caterers they're carnies they're the circus of crime <laughs> uh i've loved it. i love any time they show up so yep. then we cut to a little uh girl talk between crystal janet and sue richards uh going over this really awesome wedding gown that uh that um uh has been recently purchased from Saks Fifth Avenue. Saks Fifth uh, Avenue. Yeah. yeah. Janet's wearing an off the rack wedding gown. Uh, I know. Which like I'm pretty sure that's not the way that works. Like I think there's like an extensive process of like fitting and things. <laughs> and she's but, also di already designed um you know her own costumes a couple of times and started to hint yeah. at that you know fashion design idea yeah. so i was like man she would make she'd make her own dress you know she yeah. would although that should have really been the giveaway <laughs> that yeah. like she wasn't in the right mind right like she yeah. was really this was a cry for help everyone yeah. <laughs> and we ignored it yeah or i mean considering how this story ends janet's had a wedding gown in her closet for months now <laughs> the few, the few years been... she's known henry pym yes yeah. so uh although i guess sue is pinning her up so maybe they're doing right. some alterations yeah they're doing some alterations on the fly here um she, I, she wants to strike while the iron is hot i feel like it's worth doing the, enough of a sidebar on the dress because it's a yes. big dress uh it's a big splash page too so yep um 
So <laughs> Crystal, you know, just spills it out and asks Janet how she can marry Yellow Jacket when she just met him. And Janet says that she could ask Crystal the same question to Shay and also meow. Yeah. Um, then we get a full splash page of the superhero guests and one panel of the wedding itself, very similar <laughs> to the Fantastic Four yes. wedding. Uh, so Yellow Jacket and Wasp are now officially married, just like bam. Um, the uh, yeah, that splash page is that's the other part I was hinting at when we were uh, talking about the Silver Surfer issue. Just oh, um, that Bisema drew everyone in the Marvel universe. Yeah, this in month. in yeah. one month. Yeah, yeah. there's uh, everybody else. I mean, everybody else is here, and n- notably so. And we also get you know Black Knight, a bunch of cameos of of other people, and yep. you know, and of course the Circus of Crime. So, yeah. um, and speaking of Black Knight, Janet cuts the wedding cake with a replica of the Black Knight's blade, which is pretty cool. Yep. Um, Princess Python's giant python jumps out and wraps itself <laughs> around her. That surprise kick is not the the uh, fun kind. So yeah, the Black Panther and Vision free her, and then the Avengers kick everyone out because this is their fight. They've got like every superpowered person. Like Doctor Strange is there. You could handle this a zillion ways. It's also the, yeah. just the circus of crime. So it's just the circus of crime. <laughs> <laughs> like D list, yeah, list. Like just yeah. have Iron Man do this by himself. Uh, yeah. So anyway, they they don't. They they decide they're gonna. You know, it's their fight. So, um, the circus of crime attacks, and Janet gets caught by the serpent again. Um, that dress careless. is probably yeah. you know not helping her uh, navigate True. this whole supervillain fight. So yeah, Yellow Jacket can't. Also, I mean, she can shrink. True. Like- <laughs> Like, does that not occur at, at either of the times that she's being wrapped up by this Python uh, that she could just like whoop and true. Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, she doesn't have oh, unstable molecule costume. Exactly. On. She's yeah, got it, it off would, the rack. That's maybe that would, why that, yeah. that would be super gauche to uh, wind up getting shrunken and naked at your own wedding, probably. So the, the society pages would have a field day. That sort of thing. So. <laughs> oh man. Uh, what would so, they think? Yeah. <laughs> So Yellow Jacket can't get uh, to her quickly enough to save her. So he has a little freak out uh, and like shaking freak out. And suddenly Goliath bursts out of Yellow Jacket's costume (laughs) because double costuming. This is like a Matt Murdock move. Um, I got to say, I got to say this, like if you don't know the reveal of this story, this is a legitimately like, I, I think this would have been a really surprising and shocking moment. So yeah. And having the ringmaster just yell, yellow jacket is Goliath. And yeah. Um, which helps everybody. I mean, I can't believe that even in 1968, people wouldn't have felt pretty awkward about everything that happened yeah. last issue. Right. Um, I mean, Hawkeye obviously felt he's got a lot of lines in here and he's not having it. He's the no. one who's the least, impressed by yellow jacket he's also just hawkeye so he's always ready to yeah get in a fight he's a carny too um so goliath bursts out of yellow jacket's costume the avengers make short work of the circus of crime of course and now it's time to figure out what the hell is going on here (laughs) according to the wasp yellow jacket was hank with a king-sized dose of accident-induced schizophrenia okay that's a thing right yeah (laughs) So while he was thinking about all of the things that kept him from proposing to her, Hank dropped some vials 
containing various untested gases. And these somehow gave him a completely new personality that was the opposite of Hank Pym's, um, which I would think we would be into, like uh, having read everything <laughs> since Ant-Man started. Yeah. The opposite of Hank Pym sounds like a comic I want to read, but it turns out Yellow Jacket is not uh, very, it's not a great character. Yeah, I, uh, I got to say, I got to give Roy Thomas credit for, I mean, not with the execution, certainly, but the <laughs> idea behind it is like, how can I fix Hank Pym? What if I take everything that's Hank Pym and throw it in the garbage? <laughs> Start over. <laughs> it's like, that's not the worst strategy. <laughs> not at all. Uh, and also, uh, he chose the name Yellow Jacket because subconsciously he thought it paired well with the Wasp, I guess, vaguely. Um, so Janet knew all along, right? No. no. <laughs> so she said, but the clues added up when he first kissed me. And here's the kicker. Uh, she says, whether you married me as Hank Pym, Yellow Jacket, or as Wyatt Earp, it's equally legal. Need I add that I looked it up? And that's how we end the story. It's just so weird. Um, yeah. There's some great gags like Hawkeye and Jarvis just hung in the kitchen, <laughs> yes. uh, tied up. And, and then Hawkeye gets loose at the end of the battle. And it's, it's like he bursts out as it's done and leaves Jarvis hanging there, too, by the way. Yeah, it so, doesn't, no, no care or attention is paid to so, Jarvis. So those were the uh, I was like just sort of focusing on any bit of levity because I was still uh, it, it was such a weird thing with agency because there was some more agency for the Wasp here. But it was like for the this really really bizarre reason, yeah. Um, and uh, and as far as you know, she was sticking up for herself. She was saying, "This is what she's doing. This is my choice." Everybody, Avengers, you know, stepped down, and they all did. So there was a lot of that. But it was just for this like gross guy who was a total jerk and had claimed to kill her ex fiance. <laughs> so it seemed like a terrible idea or yeah. like mind control. I think normally. A superhero team would be like somebody's messing with their mind. Just you know, like put her put her in some kind of iso cube till we can work this out. I know I'm mixing my metaphors here, but mixing my comic universes. Which is that Judge Dredd? Yep. (laughs) Whenever somebody gets put in any jail, it's an iso cube for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack here. you're trying you're seeing Roy Thomas try to give Wasp some agency in this but at the same time like you've got uh, a I would say not particularly in touch male writer trying to write a female character and I I see the intention but it does does not work on any level um and then you've also got the whole like she's just been looking for ways to entrap him into marriage, just like ladies <laughs> do, you know, fellas, um, that vibe going on. And that's also just pretty revolting. Um, I think it's part of the time though. Like I, I, I'm yeah. not saying, I'm not saying it's excusable because it's part of the time, but just thinking about even the Star Trek episode, um, you know, we talked about earlier and some of the, like any, <laughs> basically any William, Captain Kirk, William Shatner, uh, Star Trek episode. There's a lot of things where there there's imbalances between the the women and the men. 
Um, mm-hmm. And th- there is, you know, it's Roddenberry's universe has a little bit more uh, equality than than ni- the 1960s, but it's still, you can still see all this. Uh, and you can see this in other, um, pretty much any other, you know, media, movies, television ads, like this kind of behavior would be not that out of, you know, not out of the norm, but it's still gross. And <laughs> that doesn't make it any less gross. It, um, the kind of um, reveal at the end reminds me a little bit, you know, we were talking about in, um, which one was it? Fantastic Four at the beginning where um, the only panel that's really given to the woman or like it's like the three panels and basically yeah. saying oh well you know she's doing something of equal importance to guys like it um and it also almost feels like um whenever male writers use these opportunities to ex- excuse behavior or enhance it where it's like well we're going to show a woman um you know uh taking all of her clothes off because they're wet. Like we're going to put her in this situation because like, so she intentionally has to take all of her clothes off. Um, but you know, she's choosing to do it. And it's like, is she though? Or yeah. did you write it that way? Right. Um, so I feel like there's always these moments and they just always seem to happen a lot where women will be put into these um, like in, in anime and manga, it's, referred to as fan service where these characters are just put into these like wacky zany circumstances where they have to like show spread eagle or something like that happening mm-hmm. but it ends up it well it was them all along and she chose to do it so you guys it's all right yeah yeah but it, it, it never it's the you know like the flip test it never happens with a male character you know yeah uh, it, it, i really really just reminded me of those um like those flipped poses for like Hawkeye and stuff. Um, yeah. 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 Which was awesome. Well, yeah. And I also think it's really telling that I think the wasp has been the focus of only two Avengers stories so far. The first one is when she gets shot and she's at death's door. <laughs> so she's not even a factor in the story. She's just like, she's kind of the object that's driving the story. She's almost the MacGuffin. She's um, almost fridged. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And then you've got, you've got this story where she's abducted and she's victimized. And then she entraps her mentally ill fiance into marriage. Like, it, I mean, there's never just a story where she gets to be the hero and save the day, you know, and like help the boys out of a jam. Like we haven't seen that at all in here. Like this, this is the story that the wasp gets to star in. We got a ways to go. Um, and unfortunately, I think I think we're probably like at least 10 years of this podcast away from getting to <laughs> oh. some really, you know, halfway decent stories. But yeah. there's going to be some ups and downs, too. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, so there's there's our uh, our month of Marvel Comics. Um, uh, only thing to do now is to move on to uh, recommending uh, some comics that are not Marvel Comics from November 1968. Um, I'm going to. uh to go first here and i'm going to recommend uh, the trade paperback of x-ray robot by mike and laura allred um we mentioned this very briefly when mike was our guest a couple of weeks ago uh, but it's a very trippy little alternate reality story with you know that patented allred retro vibe um it heads in some directions i didn't expect it to uh which is always uh pretty cool um but uh 
one of the things that I really loved about this was uh, in the back of the trade paperback has this uh, cover gallery of 3D covers that you don't need special glasses to view. Um, and it absolutely blew my mind. It's like they work by like you have to like cross your eyes slightly. Um, but, you know, so maybe this is a thing that everyone knows about except for me. Maybe this has been done before. Um, but like I had not seen these before. And the combination of what was to me novel technology um, and Allred's already very trippy art uh, it just fried the synapses in my brain. Um, and if we were actually allowed to be in proximity to other humans, I would have run up and down my street <laughs> insisting that everyone take a look at it because uh, I just thought it was incredible. So, and it's a really good story and it's, come on, it's Mike Allred. You're not going to go wrong. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, Rob, what do you got? Well, first of all, you stole my recommendation because <laughs> I read this in, I, I was a, took a, a beach trip last week and uh, read this. Uh, and a number of other things, including Count, which you've already recommended too. So poop on you. Um, <laughs> so uh, I I did stare at the covers for much of an evening while I was on vacation uh, and uh, and didn't manage to get it to work for me then. Uh, but I was also on vacation. I was very relaxed. Um, too relaxed. So, uh, you know, the other thing is that Laura's... Uh, work on coloring in that is yes uh, i mean each time i see you know like the bowie book was like blew my mind and then this had some stuff that was like what we were talking about with cosmic kirby but the way it's colored and some things don't have outlines and things like that so it's just like more vibrantly trippy and it tied into a lot of the stuff we were talking to with mike about about mm -hmm. you know sort of getting displaced of seeing all things at once in different time streams and it so it, it i i was i read it twice like straight through it was so good uh so you know i love it i'm a sucker for and madman shows up for one quick panel in one of the multiverses and he's That's my right. favorite yes. yeah um so my real recommendation now that i've you know just added some more laurels to yours uh uh, because you stole it, I'm going to just, for the uh, listeners who don't read a lot of comics, I'm going to give them the inside knowledge about one of the greatest comics ever, uh, V for Vendetta. So we, I don't think we've talked about it before. We talked about Watchmen, um, but this is by Alan Moore and David Lloyd. You, you might know the film, uh, but it just sort of scratches the surface of a lot of these characters and a lot of what happens um, of the story of rebellion against a tyrannical and fascist state which felt so close to home in the last year or two or five uh <laughs> so <clears throat> yeah it it like watchmen um uh this this uh, watchman was also by more with dave gibbons doing the art um this is one of the markers where comic books becomes uh something far more than superhero pulp um if none of this is ringing any bells, it's where all the Guy Fox masks started to gain popularity globally and, and in the States and for reasons that have become more complicated, but essentially for good reasons for, um, you know, reasons about equality and, um, overreach of state power and fascism and tyranny. So, um, just, you know, it's worth, it's worth reading. It's worth buying. It's just worth having mm -hmm. around. Um, it's one of the things that just turned my brain back on to comics when I was much younger. So, yeah. 
I would say I'd second that. And I'd say if you like the movie, you should definitely read the comic. If you didn't care for the movie, I think you should still read the comic. Yeah, because <laughs> I think it uh, I think it, it especially if you didn't like the movie because you thought elements of it were a little too pat or shallow or superficial. Um, this is a much more complex and and shades of gray um, version of that story. Yeah. And, uh, yep. and again, we've talked about Alan Moore a lot. He's a, he, he's someone worth looking up if you get interested in comics at all, because he really did change. He's one of a few people that changed the medium. So, uh, and obviously there's tons of people making lots of money on his ideas now that he does not really have a part of. That's the other thing I love so much about him, how he, doesn't believe they should be another medium. Uh, it's for comics. And he's so steadfastly insane about that, that, um, that I admire it, you know, just holding his ground. And he does. Yep. And he's a wizard. And he's uh, a wizard, which yeah. I'm, you know, aspiring to be now as I've grown my <laughs> beard and hair out even longer for, yep. uh, during COVID. There you go. Uh, Jennifer, what do you got to recommend? So, um, a lot, (laughs) um, there's, you know, I read a lot of single issues as you see every week that I pick up at the, um, at books with pictures. Um, but a lot of them have recently been collected. One of my favorites from this last year, I actually have it right here. Um, Lonely Receiver, um, Mm. was a book, um, by Aftershock this last year. And it's this beautiful blend of, What's our relationship with like technology and how does that affect our life? Um, I feel like this is 100% a Black Mirror story that Zach Thompson wrote. And if um, uh, Zach Thompson is also writing another story by Aftershock called I Breathed a Body, um, that's equally been good about like our relationship as humans with technology and whether that blends into our romantic life or career aspirations. So this one was a, a wild trip for me. Um, it definitely is for mature readers cause it gets um, very spicy at some point. So definitely mature readers, 18 and plus um, another book that I actually just picked up today that I don't know if I would recommend it because I haven't read it, but I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> and that book is Monsters yeah. by oh. Barry Windsor Smith. So I just yes. picked this up today. Um, Nick at Books with Pictures basically sold me on it saying this book was supposed to be um, Barry Windsor Smith's um, Incredible Hulk pitch to marvel which they ultimately used without him and then this book took 20 30 years to um complete and actually publish so this is a thick boy thick with two c's and i'm really excited to read monsters i am also very excited to read that um Mm -hmm. i've yeah i i've heard the legend of it for years um Mm -hmm. and when i heard that it was finally coming out um yeah, Ooh. I'm super excited. Yeah, that's that's going on the list. The, yep. the, the next bespoke order that I asked for from <laughs> yeah. Books with Pictures. Yeah. If um if you read Jerusalem, um this will be a cakewalk yeah. for you. It's still a thick thick boy, but um if you got through Jerusalem, I think that this will be a breeze for you. I have the tenacity to hand, and especially you know uh, the pictures help. That's that's always helpful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us uh, this week on Marvel by the Month. Um, what uh, tell us, tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet and and all the things that you are up to. Yeah. Um, so thank you for having me here. It's so funny because we seem to cross paths um, pretty much every Wednesday at the store. <laughs> and definitely shout out to Katie, who was like, hey, do you two know each other? Like you basically kind of do like the same thing, but, you know, a little bit of a different way. Um, but I um, have a YouTube channel where um, every Sunday with my um like super like she's absolutely incredible mars that comic girl um on youtube on sundays we do a show called casually comics sunday chat where we casually talk about comics and each week is a little bit different whether we're talking about the reads that we pick up for the week like the single issues that we pick up what we hate what we loved um we also she talks about like some of the library things that she picks up I'll like sometimes talk about the trade so I'll, hopefully if I get done with this I'll be talking about it on um, this Sunday and um, so we just have a really good time and then we also at the end of the month we typically do a um, first issue wrap up so all of the first issues of the new series that came out this month will usually do a wrap up at the end of the month and talk about first appearances and first issues new story arcs all of that um, and then every now and then, um, usually also at the end of the month, sometimes it fluctuates, we'll talk about some of the things that are coming out in previews. So we'll talk about previews, solicitations for usually two months in advance. So um, either this Sunday or next Sunday, we'll be diving into, I think we're in July, um, whatever's going to come out in July. So you can listen to that and keep your comic book store and tell them what you want to pre-order. Um, that's just what we do on Sundays. I've been working on a couple other things for the channel, um, but I'm also on Fridays with another group called Hero and the Kid, and there's just a bunch of other like comic book YouTubers where we um, just talk about like, our top uh, comic books that we should be reading, and then um, just kind of random conversation after that. So you can find me on Comics Will Break Your Heart is the YouTube um, and my Instagram where, where I also do a lot of shit posting. You can find me at comic books will break your heart because someone took comics will break your heart and don't use it. So if you're listening, I will pay you good money for that Instagram handle. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get on the case. Uh, we'll yes. direct our listeners to uh, harangue them until they give yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Well, thank you again. Uh, this has been an absolute delight. I'm really glad uh, we were able to make this happen. Oh, for sure. So uh, I guess just for our stuff, um, thank you so much to our Patreon subscribers, um, all of whom will get access to extended cuts of our regular episodes, full bonus episodes, and the omnibus supplementary episodes that cover just about every comic Marvel put out every month. You can subscribe for the fantastic price of four bucks a month at patreon.com slash Marvel by the month. Um, uh, we would love your Apple podcast reviews or reviews on any service that uh, supports reviews. Um, if you'd like some free stuff in the mail, send us a screenshot of your five-star review to Marvel by the month at gmail.com. Marvelbythemonth.com has links to our other social channels as well as our shop. And I think that's all we've got for now. So uh, until next week, my name is Brian Stratton. And mine is Rob Milne. And stay safe, stay healthy, and stay inside and read comics. Mm-hmm.